WNYC Studios is supported by Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, Lulu here. Whether we are romping through science, music, politics, technology, or feelings, we seek to leave you seeing the world anew. Radiolab adventures right on the edge of what we think we know, wherever you get podcasts. Welcome to NYC Now, your source for local news in and around New York City from WNYC. I'm Janae Pierre. Mayor Eric Adams wants to create a new government agency to regulate New York City's booming online delivery industry. The mayor introduced the idea of the Department of Sustainable Delivery in a State of the City speech Wednesday. It would oversee the movement and routes of the trucks, vans, and e-bikes that deliver almost 3 million packages a day across the five boroughs. Deputy Mayor Mira Joshi says she doesn't want to stifle business, but says online deliveries have gotten out of hand. All of this activity and innovation comes with some downsides. And I think there's very little dispute that New Yorkers feel a sense of chaos on our streets. Adam says he'll set up a task force on the department. Its creation would require city council approval. The beloved bald eagle named Rover has been spotted again in Central Park recently. WNYC's Catalina Gonella has the details. Rover enchanted New Yorkers when he frequented the park two years ago, showing off his hunting skills near the reservoir. His return was celebrated on social media, including by David Barrett, who runs a Manhattan Bird Alert account. He says it's becoming more common to see bald eagles fly over the city, but Rover stands out. It is rare to get a bald eagle to land on trees in Central Park. And it's, it's rare to see one hunting right over your water. That's another experience that I think birders and people in general come out to enjoy. It's a, it's a spectacle. New Yorkers are likely to see more bald eagles in the future. The population of the species has made a comeback in the state thanks to conservation efforts. Stay close. There's more after the break. On Radio Lab. First, we thought we made some sort of mistake. Two surprisingly simple scientific discoveries. This is crazy. Yeah. I mean, we were just so surprised. That makes us reconsider our assumptions about progress. We need to learn the language of the doctors of that time. We need to be a little bit less dismissive. Staff retreat from Radiolab. I learned a bit of humility this way. Listen wherever you get podcasts. New York City and New York State are implementing tough new climate rules this year to restrict emissions. But the oldest form of heating, burning wood, is left out of the regulations. WNYC's Rosemary Mystery looks into why that's so. One, two, three, four, five. I have seven fireplaces, six of which work. Catherine Schoonover occasionally lights a fire in one of the many fireplaces in her historic West Village row house. It's warm and it's cozy and it's, it's also kind of hypnotic, you know, watching the flames dance. But she recognizes there's an environmental toll to burning wood. 
they have to be eliminated. We have to give way to reality. Burning wood creates 30% more carbon pollution than coal and two and a half times more than natural gas combustion. Raya Salter is a member of the Climate Action Council, the committee that crafted the state's climate law. Wood burning for residential use is a massive source of emissions in New York State and also to human health. Only two and a half percent of New Yorkers depend on wood for heating their homes. But they burn a lot of wood. New York is the second largest buyer of firewood in the country. This is concentrated in the rural areas, largely upstate where it's very cold, where folks are actually burning wood for heat, primary and secondary heating. So why are fireplaces and wood stoves deliberately left out of new regulations? Salter says that was by design. Nobody's banning wood-burning stoves because there's a really important understanding that folks are using this because they need it. She says the new environmental regulations were not designed to force an energy transition on low-income homes that depend on firewood for heat. The combustion, it's a health issue, it's an environmental justice issue, Um, but it needs to be done in a way where the transition is affordable and sensitive to people's needs um, and the comfort of their homes. That's good news to Leanne Sporn, a biology professor at Paul Smith's College in Adirondack Park. The region is the coldest in the state. She says wood is her only viable heating option. It would be a hardship. I mean, I've recently become single and my income dropped to half. And And switching um, to electric or propane would triple her costs. If someone required that I install electric heat or heat pump or something, it would be a deal breaker for me. I likely wouldn't want to stay in my house. So Sporn can continue heating her home with wood, despite the harm to her health and the environment. But as the state begins to aggressively transition to green energy, she's among the New Yorkers left behind. That's WNYC's Rosemary Mystic. At the end of 2022, Lower East Side resident Jason Gerard kicked off a personal journey to jog every street in Manhattan. About a year and 750 miles later, Jason has completed his mission. WNYC's David Brand ran with him for the final leg. It's about 9 a.m. on a bright, slightly freezing January morning, and Jason Gerard is ready to start his run. Excuse me. He's wearing gloves, tights, and a bright orange long-sleeve shirt. And he has a few stray blocks to cross off to call himself a true street grid completionist. You have to do it. When you're 99% complete, you just need to get to 100% complete. Yeah, man, this is accountability journalism, all right? (laughs) So let's get those streets. Off we go. Huffing and puffing east from the WNYC office in Soho, along Prince Street and then Houston, toward Lillian Wald Drive. It's a single block next to a public housing complex in the East Village. And he hasn't done it yet. Running in the morning is really nice because you see people's morning commutes. You see how people are taking their kids to school. It's great. Gerard is 28 and works as a project manager for Uber. He says he got bored trudging up and down the West Side Highway on his runs, so he started exploring the neighborhoods near his apartment. Just got curious to run every street in Soho, so I did that. Then I said, let me run every street in West Village. Then I did East Village, and then I thought, you know, I might as well do all of Lower Manhattan, and then the rest of Manhattan isn't too far away, so... I might as well do that, too. He says he's traversed the entire island in 73 runs, clocking in around 120 hours, not including subway trips uptown to run through the streets of Washington Heights and Inwood. 
He used GPS data to track his runs and turn them into an animation. It looks like a thin thread zigzagging to embroider a map of Manhattan. He says he's learned about city history, marveled at the giant tags by the street artist Jet, and mentally cataloged the vintage signs above local businesses. He also took in some classic film locations. The Ghostbusters firehouse, stumbling upon that was a nice surprise. Gerard says he soon found out he was following in the footsteps of other passionate New Yorkers who ventured through every street. So he celebrated finishing most of Manhattan on December 19th. That was no coincidence. A former Navy commander named Thomas Keene finished walking every street on December 19, 1954. Fifty years later, on December 19, 2004, Columbia University librarian Caleb Smith completed the same project and detailed it on his website. Oh, I'm keeping the tradition going. It's good. It gave it meaning. Even fictional characters have taken on similar challenges. Trekking Manhattan from tip to tail took center stage in an episode of the Comedy Central show Broad City where the two main characters make their way from Inwood south to Battery Park. Fans of the show followed the route, dubbing it the Broad City Challenge. Other real-life New Yorkers have gone even further. I met up with Matt Green on another chilly morning. It's getting close to 10,000 miles um, in New York City. Green set out to walk every street in the entire city about a decade ago. But he says the effort never really ends, because New York City is always adding features to check out like a new extension of the East River Greenway alongside FDR Drive. Uh, it is exciting. It's pretty cool. It's built out, like out on a structure over the water. He photographed some details along the walk. Thick vines cascading over the covered lanes of the highway. A gondola high above the East River making its way over from Roosevelt Island. Is this art underneath the snow? He stops to brush freshly fallen snow off the path. Uh, yeah. Oh, there you go. Look at that revealing the embossed shapes of microorganisms that live in the water below. The idea of walking every street, it's just kind of a framework for making you pay attention to the stuff that you otherwise wouldn't. And there's something about that idea of it being your home and like just really wanting to know your home. CUNY sociology professor William Helmreich had the same idea. He walked every street in all five boroughs for his book series, The New York Nobody Knows, before his death in 2020. His wife, Helene, says he wanted to explore every nook and cranny of the city he loved. He called New York City the, the, the greatest outdoor museum in the world. She often joined him. She says she walked every street in the Bronx for a book published just last year. I learned how to look at every single thing on the street so that I could find something new and unusual. You know, flowers carved into the, the sidewalk outside of a building that had been done by a superintendent of the building one day. Back in Lower Manhattan, Jason Gerard says he isn't sure what comes next, but he's feeling motivated by a similar passion. He pauses at an intersection on Delancey Street. The Williamsburg Bridge beckons a few blocks away. It'll be tempting to say yes to the rest of Brooklyn. But Brooklyn's much bigger. <laughs> That's WNYC's David Brain. Thanks for listening to NYC Now from WNYC. Catch us every weekday, three times a day. I'm Janae Pierre. We'll be back tomorrow.